I'm George Comedy, and this is First Watch. Hospitals, oil and gas pipelines, farming cooperatives. The definition of what constitutes critical infrastructure seems to change with every ransomware attack or data breach. There are technological solutions, of course, but maybe something deeper is required? Today's guest is Todd Beebe, an information security leader at an energy company whose name we won't disclose for obvious reasons. Having started out as a red teamer, he believes strongly in the need to think like the adversary. Todd Beebe, welcome to First Watch. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, glad to be here. I look forward to our conversation. Yeah. So why don't we, we'll start at the beginning. Um, and why don't you tell me just a little bit about your background? You know, there are different avenues into cybersecurity, and then uh, we'll go from there. Okay. Uh, well, a long time ago, um, I had uh, graduated college and for whatever reason decided to buy a computer. Um, <laughs> next thing I knew, I was helping out other people kind of, uh, you know, uh, kind of more troubleshooting kind of IT um, type uh I guess, projects, and it led to a job with a company um, where they pretty much, it was right around the time people were connecting their their uh, environments to the internet. And since I had um, a kind of a dial-up and remote connectivity kind of background, they, it kind of was a natural transition to, okay, well, you're connecting us, you know, you're allowing our employees to connect to us, so allow other people to connect to our networks. Um, so I, I, you know, they kind of threw that to me. So I was uh, deploying the first firewalls and, and performing network scans and kind of, that was kind of the genesis of my, my career in cyber. Um, and, and it's just kind of grown from there. Cool. Um, that's good to know. And I, I think you had mentioned when we first talked that you had some background in pen testing. Yeah. So, so, so that's, that's where it started. Cause again, since I was doing the firewalls, it was kind of a natural, um, a natural extension to do. Um, it was more, it was more called at, at first kind of vulnerability assessments where you were uh -huh. doing scanners. Um, ISS scanner was kind of coming out, um, and those kind of things. And then those kind of led to um, doing more. Okay, let's go beyond just see if we have patches. Let's see if we're secure from somebody trying to get into the network or move around the network. Um, so from, from that organization, uh, I, I moved down to Houston with a, uh, a opportunity with a consulting company, a very, you know, one of the big, big six at the time, mm -hmm. um, to do attack and penetration, kind of build their attack and penetration, um, uh, practice. Um, and I was partnered up with a guy from the air force who, who was doing similar activities within the air force. So, so that, that's what led me into, kind of my first official job or full-time job as, uh, as a pen tester and, and kind of on the, I guess, on the red team side. Yeah, it's, it strikes me as um, a uniquely advantageous background for someone who works in infrastructure, given the level of uh, heightened threat and attack. Um, can you speak a little bit about how that red team experience has informed you know your your now executive decision making about business processes and stuff um it, it's definitely um we'll call it colored it or 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 let you know i think like an attacker i mean that's mm -hmm. um because i've been doing it for so long so so even though 
eventually, you know, that that role led into me uh, building a couple cybersecurity companies or founding a couple cybersecurity companies that were really, we'll call it more on the defensive side and, and building in security controls to prevent what I was doing. But it, it helped me um, having that mindset. So I, I, you know, it was it was it was like I was thinking, okay, how would I get into this organization that I'm working for? How would I get in um, and and kind of get past the security controls that that are in place? Um, so so, so it, it, it helped me prioritize things instead of you know going you know going outside to the company and looking at okay, what are the the top twenty controls or what are the you know. 2000 settings in this Windows hardening, um, you know, um, recommendations from the vendor. Um, it was like, no, these are really the four or five things we need to do that would stop me from either compromising this system or moving off this system to something else. So, so it, 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 I think it, you know, at least in my mind, it brought value to the companies that I work for, that I uh, worked with. And I tended to bring in, um, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't nervous about bringing in new technologies um, and I tended to help them, you know, almost develop their products because I was, I was thinking ahead instead of just thinking, okay, I just need this so I can check a box and, mm-hmm. and meet some requirement or some, some audit finding. It was, I was more thinking like, nope, this is a new gap um, and I need a security control that can actually either prevent it or at least give me some kind of alerts that it's, you know, something's going on. So, so it was, it was just that, that mindset, you know, that was, that was years ago uh, when I first got started is never, has never left me. Um, so, so I'm always thinking red team, even though I'm, you know, now more often um, hired into a blue team. Yeah. It, it strikes me that that level of perspective um, from first days, to present, uh, dragging that red team experience is unique. Do you find that that's unique among your peers in terms of that thinking like an adversary? Oh, 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 definitely. Especially at the senior level, it's, it's, it's more like they, they, you know, the, the CISOs and ISOs that I kind of interact with more came from the business. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like they have, um, maybe a little bit better understanding of the business processes and why things need to interact. And, and, and I think, um, you know, I, I don't want to say what's what I prefer or, or try to cloud and, and, and give um, a negative connotation to something else. But I think that that tends to color them where they're a little bit more protective of that environment, as in perfect, protective, as in we can't put the security control in place because it might disrupt business. And I'm more pushing them of we have to put this in place because otherwise you won't stop me. And it doesn't matter that we have these other controls because an attacker will, will be able to find that chink in the armor um, because we left it open to make, you know, make the business, you know, ha- have this sense that we won't go down or we'll have better, um, you know, biz- business process in our communication. I'm like, we, we just can't allow this kind of traffic in. You know what I mean? I know, <laughs> I know you guys really want it, um, but that's exactly the way I would get in. Um, and there's no controls that I could even go out and buy or build that will really give us this sense of getting that granularity of only allowing good and not allowing in some bad. Um, so, so it is it is very unique. I, I don't see too many. Most, like I said, most of the ones that I interact with are, are very business oriented or they came from the business side and not from the technical side. Yeah, it strikes me that then 
you know, there are a lot of companies that have a red team or um, pen testing or they outsource that. What do you think is maybe a gap then of people from the red team being able to transition into leadership role? Like, how can we extend that culture more broadly um, up the um, chain? I, I, I think it's more, uh, you know, I, and, you know, this is, this is a good question because I haven't really thought about that before, but what comes to mind is, is the, the ones that are usually, you know, at, at my level or have had my level of experience like to stay technical and they just don't mm. want to give that up. You know what I mean? Okay. It, it's, it's like, do I really want to go to a bunch of meetings and, and talk about all this stuff? You know what I mean? It's like, no, I want to go, you know, go to GitHub or build my own tool and try to try to find that way in. Um, and uh, I, I guess because I was able to get into senior level pretty quick because I started some companies. So I was at that senior level, but I made sure to keep my team small. So I was always hands on. Right. I, mm -hmm. I didn't I didn't I didn't um, essentially hire my way out of that position right? By hiring in, um, uh, too many resources. Um, but, but it, you know, the, you know, along that way, um, and I don't know if this is a good time to kind of diverge it a little bit, but I hopefully it gives some examples to people. Um, I got into firefighting, like real firefighting, not, mm -hmm. not it firefighting, you not, know, not metaphorical know, firefighting, not, not metaphorical. This is burning buildings and life and death kind of situations. And, 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 you know, when you look outside of, you know, corporate America and you look at those kind of those kind of places that where there's, you know, the, you know, firefighters, police, those kind of things, those usually came up through the ranks. So they, you mm -hmm. know, they really understand they, they didn't come from some other part of there wasn't some other part of the business. Right. So, so, so while the fire chiefs, you know, sit more likely in the trucks and kind of manage the scene, if it's a big enough scene, they 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 didn't they didn't they weren't hired in because they had really good business acumen to build a, to manage a fire department, mm -hmm. right? They were former firefighters. So, so when they're, when they're looking at things, they're looking at it through that, through that, even though they're on that, you know, the business side now we'll say. Um, and I think that's, you know, that same kind of interest is, is, is where I see it. I, I don't, I don't know if that helps explain why there's so many companies still getting attacked because they don't have that really hardcore, um, you know, basis in the people making decisions and they're making, you know, business decisions with too much business influence and not enough. Okay. Do we really want to go this way? Do we really want to deploy this right now when we don't have security controls in place? Um, is, is, you know, it, it's, I think it's, I think it could play a role into why so many companies get compromised nowadays because, they're thinking um, not like a defender, right? Not right. like an attacker who who has that experience to, to know how risky that decision they're making is. Yeah, I mean, because by all accounts, we're losing the cybersecurity struggle, right? Like the amount of cybercrime is growing. It's like a hockey stick curve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's like just in the, just since almost since I took this role, um, which has been about five years. I mean, it's just. You know what I mean? I remember back in the day that, you know, the hardest thing, it was always about FUD because you, you know, no, we didn't have enough detective controls to really know how bad it was. And it took years before somebody really found out they got compromised and they didn't want to talk about it. Now it's just not now the attackers make it, you know, they're not afraid anymore of keeping it quiet and being in, a, you know, focusing on being inside a company for, you know, months, years or whatever. It's now, you know, they're going to try to get in there quick and make their money. So, so they want to be loud and noisy. Um, 
and it, it, it's a it's a it's a crazy world right now where it's definitely showing um are people really paying attention to and, and again it isn't like you have to deploy every patch under the sun that a vendor has but if you think like an attacker and you have that experience you can say these are really the four or five or ten that we need mm-hmm. out of all the patches that are you know available to deploy on our environment and if not here's what else we can do here's a compensating security control like you know, host-based firewalls or network firewalls or network, you know, um, network controls that kind of limit that traffic. But if somebody doesn't think like an attacker, they're going to say, okay, we're, we just got to focus on these patches and, and business says we got to wait 90 days to deploy because we don't want to disrupt anything. And it's like 90 days, it's going to be over. I mean, I think when they attacked, um, uh, what was, what was the financial institute, not the financial, but the credit bureau, um, that got attacked, um, was that Equifax? Equifax. I think, from what I understand, the 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 vulnerability became aware one you know like a day after that vulnerability was announced. The attackers were in that environment. It was like they were just waiting. You know, they they already had their target in their mind. So once they found a vulnerability that they knew that um, target had the infrastructure of, it was there. In it wasn't yeah. okay. We're going to wait ninety days. I, I know they didn't deploy the patch very quickly, but it was over before it began. Right. Mm-hmm. It was if, if you're having that, in, you know, that th- those that infrastructure that's facing the Internet and you're not uh, you're not assuming breach. I think that's really the mindset that I've had my whole career. And I, I know that's I don't know. Now it seems more a lot more common, but that assume breach. It's like assume that 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 those devices um, that are, you know, Internet facing or interact with the Internet with email or web or whatever. Those are going to get breached. So what are you going to do next? You know what I mean? And what's the attacker going to do next? And how can you detect that? Just assume you're not going to you're not going to block it, you're, right? Because that's I mean that's the whole multi layered defense. Even if they oh, get oh, in, you just got to set up enough uh, yep. gates yep. that makes it hard. That, that's exactly it. But when you think like an attacker, you're thinking, okay, these are the gates that will really slow me down, and you know will make the most most noise, so I might get caught. Um, instead of thinking, okay, there's so many vendors out there, so many different flavors of things, which ones do I really need? And how can I validate with, with when, when people tend to bring in an outside pen tester, you know, once a year or whatever budget will allow, and they're in there for just a few weeks, it's like the attackers have, you know, years. All the time, all the time in the world. (laughs) So, so they already know your infrastructure. They're just waiting for the next vulnerability to drop, you know, just like when, you know, the attackers already knew within 24 hours, all the exchange servers were out there or all mm-hmm. the Citrix servers that were, were out there. So as soon as that vulnerability dropped, um, you know, they reversed engineered it and they were in, they were exploiting it so they could get their foot in the door. They weren't really going to do anything after that, but they had that back. They had their foot in the door already. So, so like I said, it's right now, it seems like it's over before it began if, if you don't have the right controls in place or at least detective controls. Back with Todd Beebe in a moment. If you like this episode of First Watch and want to hear others, hit subscribe. You can catch up on past episodes like my interview with Mike Convertino, formerly of CrowdStrike, Twitter, and now at Resilience Insurance, about the mindset and love of challenge required to sustain a career in cybersecurity. And you'll get new episodes straight to your feed as they become available. Now, let's get back to my conversation with Todd Beebe. So, I want to think about... um, up and coming talent. I sort of would go out on a limb here and say, for example, sometimes there are adversaries like nation states, 
you're not going to reform them. Sometimes there are adversaries, ransomware groups, probably not going to win them over. But sometimes there are a couple of hackers who just pop something because they want the fame or they want the, you know, they want something. They're they're hackers. They want to solve the puzzle. They want to get. Yeah, that's what it really is. It's a puzzle solving. And then... and so like there are some instances in which they get caught and then we send them to prison. I was like, maybe that company should be hiring that person because they just discovered, you know, all the ways around their millions of dollars worth of investment. You know, I just think about like, we've got hackathons, we've got hacker one, we've got bug bounties. There's, there's some sort of like, can we flip the script and pull more people into the fold who have the skill sets? Like, yeah. like you said, that have a background in thinking differently. Yeah, that, well, that, that have that thinking and, and that you can uh, make them, you know, stay kind of in the gray white area. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that actually occurred uh, recently where um, some uh, Bitcoin exchange or, you know, um, got the, the attacker was able to find the we'll call it the we'll call it an attacker. The attacker was able to get in, got 600 million or something like that. Oh, that's right. Mm -hmm. and, and then they negotiated and I think they ended up hiring the person um that's the smarter move yeah yeah it was, was kind of <laughs> like if they figured this out they have the mindset now, now let's if, if we if we you know eventually convict them and, and make him criminal he's no longer useful you know that's no longer a useful resource even though so, it's so, useful because it bubbled that that vulnerability up um and showing and, and, and most likely there was uh, probably multiple vulnerabilities or misconfigurations along the way it wasn't like one patch was missing mm -hmm. um and, and that's the attacker mindset of figuring out that path that, you know, to string together these things, the attack path is, is the challenge where most people are still thinking, even though they're thinking defense and depth, they're thinking, okay, if we get these patches, we're good. It's like, nope, because, you know, you know, if you miss a couple of systems with that patch, they can then use that as a launching point to get to something else that might be missing. And you got 98% of your system with all the right patches, but they, they kind of string together the 2% and find yeah. their way to where they really need to go. Well, that's um, that 80, 20 rule, right? Maybe it's, yep. it's a small sliver that results yep. in a larger outcome. So I want to pick your brain here on, so I've talked with a couple of other people about the cyber skills shortage or the jobs gap. I, I sometimes joke that it's a gap of our own devising, you know, because you'll see entry level positions that require three to five years experience, we basically erect so oh, yeah, many yeah, gates yeah. that people <laughs> can't join. Um, so if we if we double back to that notion of, you know, the red team mindset, the pen test, if if you had your way with up and coming talent, you know, how would you train them? Because it strikes me that if we could get more of them into leadership positions, you know, I know maybe some of them don't right. want to leave, but how, how can we transition them? Because they're going to have a bigger impact if we if we can get them there. Well, well, see, see, I have a, I have a, you know, I, I wrote about this kind of, well, kind of on LinkedIn. So not, not a big article that, you know, got a lot, but I, I, you know, I've been thinking about that for a long time. And while I agree, there is a shortage in cyber. Um, and I'm, I'm personally, I offer a free training and I train mm -hmm. them like a red teamer. It's like, it's like, I don't want to train. You can become a defender or, you know I mean? A vulnerability analyst or something like that, but I want to train you to think this way first, and mm -hmm. then you can grow into other areas or move into other areas. You have to, because then when you're when you're deploying technology, even if you're not a red team, it's almost like this should be a core class. 
So mm-hmm. when they're deploying, okay, we need to get this new thing on the internet and we, we're helping these ports open, like, whoa, 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 if those ports are open, I already know what I would do. Let's go see if this, if this configuration is, is set correctly. But, but I think the second gap that, that I, I still don't seem to, to see people are really focusing on, it's ironically not cyber, it's IT. It's, mm-hmm. it's do they have strong IT talent in that organization? Because the, the, the you know, organizations that are lucky enough to have a very strong IT talent, they can take those next steps and really configure things correctly like Active Directory or whatever, where yep. there's, you know, you know, out of the box, you know, it'll work, but there's, there's things that can be taken advantage of. And somebody, like I said, somebody has to be willing to say, okay, we're going to disable this or check this box or set these registry settings this way or enable this, um, you know, net, network monitoring solution that actually has some blocking capabilities. They have to be very comfortable because the security team, a true security team that's focused on incident response isn't the ones that's hardening the environment. They'll make right. recommendations of what you need to do. But if, if, if an organization doesn't have a strong IT team that has, has years of experience to understand what will I break if I do this, they'll, they'll throttle back because then they'll feed the business. No, 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 that might disrupt us. And it's uh-huh. like, okay, now it's the business versus the you know, CISO or ISO or whatever. And, and, but if, if, if that IT team can really give that confidence of, yeah, we can implement those security controls, then the business kind of throttles down and doesn't have that nervousness of disruption. And, and now the cyber team that, that, you know, the more security controls that can be put in place, the cyber team has a much better chance of being able to detect the anomalies because they're not flooded with all these mm-hmm. other alerts that are, okay, you know, we won't allow, you know, the company decides, you know, we don't know what what sites are uncategorized, so we're going to go ahead and allow that. We'll try to block some traffic, and other organizations says, "Nope, we're we're cool. We're going to do that if we need to." The team's ready to to implement, you know, some whitelisting of some things, but but if if the company is willing to block that, it's like, okay, that takes off a lot of alerts that are hitting the cyber team of all these all this malware getting in, you know, kind of this commodity stuff. And then the cyber team can't focus on the more important nation states because they're they're fo- they're they're getting flooded. Like, the, like just think about a fire department where um, you know the builders didn't put good good um, standards in, right? right. Now, now you know there's all these shorts on the walls. Every house is catching on fire. You know what I mean? It's like the fire department can't go to the critical fires because they're too busy with all these you know kind of issues where something's smoking in the wall so they got to go or or smoke detectors going off yeah. because it's faulty and now they can't get, they're already they're you know once a fire department just just like a security team is locked into an incident mm-hmm. even if the other one drops they got to finish this one before they're allowed to move on to the next that eats and up I a lot of bandwidth it, it does so, so i think that is that's still not bubbled up enough is, is are people really spending the time, you know, our companies really spending the money and the training to get a good, a good security minded IT team that can understand, okay, if we implement these security controls, business won't be disrupted. Right. So we, we can, we can limit the number of alerts that are going to the cyber team so they can catch things quick. Right. And, and that's really the goal. And that's, that's not what's happening now too much stuff is leaking in and the cyber teams are overwhelmed. Um, so then that, and that's really, um, you know, kind of 
not allowing the cyber team enough time to go get some more training to learn about the more advanced attacks. They're, they're focused on phishing and, and malware, right? Yep. And the, and the advanced attackers are getting in because they're not getting caught by those initial security controls. So, yeah. but, you know, that's my mindset. I'm, I'm curious also, this is more me just thinking aloud. So there's been a growing number of university cybersecurity programs, right? It's the academy trying to meet the job needs of the economy. Um, I also like to joke when I've worked with kids who've come out of business undergraduate programs, you know, they learned like the basic principles, but they learned none of the stuff that matters day to day. Like, can you give a presentation if your slides malfunction, right? Like right. How, how, how do you order the information in the clearest way possible in like something as simple as an email, like prioritize the information, you know, like, so right. I'm, I'm wary that yes, there are cybersecurity programs, but they may not be teaching them the stuff like you're saying, that's just oh, oh, hack I in, do. you know, break the thing. They're just teaching them. Here's the MITRE attack framework. Here's NIST. Here's how you build a process. <laughs> you know, I'm just oh, yeah. I'm me and you are on definitely on the same page. But but I, that's why I like to. I, this is why I like to use the firefighter analogy. It's like firefighters. They don't they don't go to a lot of slides. You know, to right. to learn how to fight fire, it's live. You know, you know, right. you know, it's lab. We'll call it. It's it's a secure. It's a safe lab, but it's still mm -hmm. real fire. Um, I remember the first time I went into a building and, you know, they had me take off, you know, essentially my mask and sit in a room uh, that was on fire. Uh, you know, they had hay bales in there mm -hmm. and sit there and wait until I got to the point where it was like, OK, I can't take the heat. And then they, they, they let the firefighters get out. But if, if, if I just saw that same exact, we'll call it event, just on a video, it, 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 right. I have no muscle memory. Right. Right. It's like, yeah. looks like about 30 seconds in most people get out and it's like, but I have no muscle memory. And that, that's what I think is missing from a lot of these, we'll call it, you know, video based, you know, YouTube based and, and kind of this training by watching instead of training by doing mm -hmm. um, kind of activities or training by reading. And, you know, it's, it's uh, like the training that, again, the, 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 what, what I do is, it's very much, hey, you got to go figure it out. This is not there's, there's this is not instructor led. This is instructor provides you here's some things you need to go download and go set up this lab and do these things. So they start getting, you know, uh, indoctrinated into the real world versus having all this knowledge where they can answer questions in a quiz. But when when something comes in front of them, like an alert, it's like, OK, we're, hold on. This isn't like. This isn't like what they showed on the lab. Yes, and right. I don't even know. I know they went to some website, like hypothetically, who is or any.run or whatever, but I never went to it. So I don't, you know, I don't have that muscle memory of where to go. I just know they went to a sandbox and they went to do, so, you know what I mean? It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's, 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 a, that's why I, I agree with you. Usually when they get hired in, it's almost like, okay, almost forget what you know. Now let's train you. And they do the same thing with doctors. You know, they go through some education, but eventually you, you're going to be going through a residency where you're sitting there and they're mm -hmm. kind of like nudging you. You get in there. I'll watch over your shoulder to make sure you don't do anything, you know, dangerous. <laughs> but you need to learn this when I'm not in the room. You know what I mean? So the only way you yeah. learn it is not by watching me do this operation. You need to get in there. And, and, and I don't know why they I guess because cyber is is not a physical thing. It's you know it's this you know mythical thing that you can't really see and touch. That they don't think it needs that same kind of muscle memory training 
um, until they do, it, it's, there's going to be this, they go to a lot of school and then they come in almost as a, like you said, a greenhorn where we got to start them from scratch. So, so the, the uh, mischief, the mischief maker in me really wants some like college IT professor to assign one group of students to like, your test is to build an environment. And then secretly the other half of the class is break into that environment and just like have them, have them fight it out and see how, how do you attack, how you defend? Yeah. So, so there's, there's actually, uh, so on the ICS side, the process control side, um, up in, uh, Idaho, uh, Idaho national labs, they have a five day training course and that's exactly what they do. They kind of try to teach you up a little bit at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And then they, they split up the class, red team, blue team. And, and you, you really, and it's, you know, the actual devices will actually, you know, stop producing water or pumping water or whatever. So, so, so they, they, they feel that heat, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That heat of, if, if I don't figure this out, then, then the cascade will start and things will get worse. Yeah. And, and, and without that, like I said, without that pressure, um, just like live fire, uh, live fire events, give you, get you comfortable that under pressure, you can still think, and you can still, you still have that muscle memory that will come to surface. I think without that, it, it's it's still gonna we're still gonna have this battle, um, and the attackers have plenty of time to learn all this. I mean, yep. I think there was just one of the ransomware groups, all their training uh, um, training for their affiliates got released, and they're they're training them up. You know what I mean? It's like that that's wild. Is they're they're doing a better job of training up <laughs> the criminals than what we're doing because they're they're throwing them into labs and trying to get them hands on experience so they can get them more uh more targets oh we need to go steal their curriculum um i want to i want to circle back to the um to the business side of things here in the in the final minute or so which is if you think like the red teamer and if you do your job well and and you have you know significantly mitigated uh the risk closed the gaps how do you prove the value so it's sort of like life insurance right you're proving the value by nothing going wrong I understand that to be a bit of a friction in a business environment because then it becomes something that's less right. budget worthy because it's, but it's going well, you know, so. You, you, you do it by bringing in, um, you know, you, there's two schools of thought, but I think there's a blend that works well is, you know, hiring those, having the budget um, to be able to hire an external pen test mm -hmm. um, to validate those controls. And then there's, you know, you know, now with MITRE and everything, there's these up and coming solutions that do adversary simulation. So, so you can, you know, even if you don't have the technical team or the, the, the amount of staff to do this, you can, you can have a, a much better visibility into, do we have detective controls in place for the things we apparently don't have preventive controls in place? And if not, where's the gap? So, so it's, 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 it's trying to, well, it's, it's just validation. So, so, mm -hmm. so, you know, if, if audit has a role in this, it's audit that not just audit the, you know, the, right. We have these five patches or these 50 settings. It's like, can, can these, can the, do these controls work under stress? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Not just send, send me a report that shows. Yeah, don't, settings. don't check the box, stress yeah. test the system. Exactly. Get, get something that's actually running and actually performing like an attacker. Um, and, and like I said, with the adversary simulation tools and stuff like that, that's coming out, it, it helps because there's not that much talent to go around to have red teams hit every company all the time. Uh, it's like, you know, almost like 
kind of drawing out some of that experience um, to, to replicate. So on a regular basis, an organization can at least have a sense of where are we at, and then they can really accept the, the risk or to the organization now that something is some, some kind of red team um, resource has has went up against the security controls that the organization has. It's okay. you, you, you just have to validate it. I mean, it's it, live fire is 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 uh, is the way it is the only thing I can think of. I mean, you can't you can't train anybody without doing that, and because that's what that's what's going to happen, and when you uh, when something gets in. You know, and, and if this is the first time your team's experienced that, um, deer in the headlights, right? right. It, 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 if they don't have the muscle memory, they won't remember what they read in a book um, right. or what they saw on a slide. They'll, they'll remember, okay, last time we ran the adversary simulation or we had this third party uh, red team in, when this happened, this is what I had to do to isolate and contain it, right? Um, so, so, so I, I think that, you know, those kind of solutions will continue to grow and, and be a, a much needed part of a security program. I, I think red team is, is always going to be a part of the security program. It's going to be, cool. and then it's going to grow in importance over time. Great. Well, Todd, I want to thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for taking the time out of your day. It's been, it's been a fruitful conversation. Well, thanks. I enjoyed the conversation as well. Um, hopefully I didn't give too many analogies about firefighting, but that's, you know, I, I think that helps make it something that people can visualize. Um, so, so I appreciate, I appreciate being uh, part of the, part of the podcast. Thank you. Absolutely. All right. Thanks now. That's it for First Watch today. A big thanks to our special guest, Todd Beebe. First Watch is a production of Safeguard Cyber. It's produced by Chloe LeClaire with help from Phil Totora. Edited by David Traunstein with original music by Matias Cefaletti. Subscribe to First Watch wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, and until next time, stay safe, stay strong.